Hello and welcome to US Consulting Academy. My name's JJ. This is US Consulting Podcast, episode 12 with Vesa. Vesa, how are you, my man? Uh, good, JJ. Thanks for having me on. Uh, uh, just off the top of my head, otherwise everything is super cool, but I have a little bit of a resurfacing back problems so i'm not being uh too casual about being interviewed by your good self and and disrespect to your audience i literally have to be slightly horizontal in order to not be in agonizing pain so uh please uh please excuse that state of affairs but other than that um very very good thanks yes absolutely yeah no problem whatever is more comfortable for you and at the back as we were saying before we hit the record button is you know uh, it's a really important part of the body for you to have uh, comfortable, so that's totally fine, not not an issue. So, um, Vesa, you're this, you're an incredible crypto artist, and to give everyone here some context, I'm going to read out a um, a quote by Michael Schwartz, professor of history and philosophy of art at Augusta State University. Uh, Vesa's art is amongst the most integrally advanced in the history of Western abstraction. No small claim, but one backed up by the works themselves. Rather than abstraction as a fleeing from life, his works are diving into the incarnate mystery of human being, direct celebrations of the fullness of life. So just really incredible. So anybody that's not familiar with your work, that gives you a sense of uh, the type of work that we're talking about here. So very, very exciting. And this is an accurate quote because your work is very, very immersive. So for people that are not familiar, perhaps you could give us an intro to yourself. How did you first get started? What is the backstory for you? Oh, um, uh, and first of all, yeah, to address, thanks for bringing that up because it is one of the most incredible experiences of my life to have that, that caliber of a person acknowledge me to that level. And um, while I most humbly agree with his assessment, uh, it, it's still something that blows me away each time I kind of come across it. So it's, a, um, it, it's something that I feel like I've I may be uh, achieved that I may or may not have deserved <laughs> in, in, in a sense, like just thinking of yourself as a, as a person, uh, you always have a slight imposter sy- syndrome, no matter what you kind of, um, how, how things go. But if I separate myself from the actual work and I evaluate it with the marketplace of how other people approach things and what this has been, uh, then I do think he's actually accurate about it, but it's all um, as bad as taking in flattery or, or sort of uh, positive feedback as anyone else. Um, but uh, going from that, uh, the the journey started with me turning my parents' pots and pans into uh, a drum kit when I was about five years old, and uh, started to drum to Michael Jackson songs and and sort of. Uh, toy axes and everything turned into guitars and I suppose there was a bit of a rock star wish uh, ever since there was any spark of life that I remember in myself and and uh, that's always been the sort of attitude I suppose in, in how I came across eventually making digital art with my own, own process as well and it involves uh, body painting and photography and painting and photographing those layer paintings and performances each thing starts with the same uh, sort of burn that I suppose was taking a plastic toy axe and making it into a guitar and uh, sort of doing these sort of knee slides with it to the Michael Knight 
theme uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as an 80s kid. So it's like if you don't have the resources, if you don't uh, see how things realistically can come together, you just start turning pots and pans into drum kits. And eventually things will fall into place because uh, life will just sort of bend out of your way if you imagine it to be so. And I'm not saying it's going to be an easy journey or that it's going to manifest results immediately, but with consistency and that same kind of attitude towards it, uh, I think the universe uh, will give you the sort of, um, I mean, uh, paranoia is something that online exists in, in multiple different levels, but the less discussed version of it, pronoia, which is that the universe is secretly conspiring to help you. Uh, I, I think the, the key and access to that happens with that kind of attitude is that you try and find the solutions and put things together in a way that they haven't maybe been put, put together before. And all of a sudden you can make legitimate claims as to saying that you've made something new and maybe there's value in that. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I love that quote. Um, where, where does that come from that um, the universe is conspiring uh, for you? I, I think I remember reading it somewhere, but I'm not, not sure where, but I think it's a really interesting point. And um, yeah, I like the, uh, uh, the sort of the story of when you were younger, sort of um, getting sort of the musical interest and then developing from there uh, with, with, the, with the artistic work. Uh, really interesting. So, I mean, for me, but before I got into uh, being a UX designer, before I was doing this type of work uh, as a consultant, um, I started off in uni doing art and design uh, and then graphic design. So still some art involved there. So it's uh, really amazing to be able to sit down with you and find out uh, about your story and um, what kind of you know, work you're doing. So um, perhaps you could talk about the types of things that inspire you at the moment and what, what your process is uh, at this stage when you're doing crypto art? Well, it's a subtle dance of actually your, your expertise and then uh, trying to come up with things that people don't know how to demand. And uh, for you as someone who's an expert with customer experiences, I mean, I, I drew a lot of inspiration from people like Steve Jobs uh, because his sort of, uh, I mean, I come from Finland and Nokia was a big, big deal over here, but it was more of a logistics company designed by engineers to a certain degree to engineers. And what Steve Jobs really changed about technology is the customer driven idea of how to help people intuitively use the technology. And uh, I, I suppose to a certain degree, when you make art, uh, it doesn't make much sense to make something that people don't have any tangible uh, sort of base or connection point to. So you're going to have to try and uh, put value for multiple different levels. And, and what's maybe a little bit frustrating to me at the moment is that this, this era is in, in one way, uh, you could say that um, equality it's a fantastic thing. And we certainly, we want to lift the, the bottom up, uh, but the result of it to a certain degree as an attitude is also pulling the top down. And in art, um, 
it feels like if you're trying to do the same thing, let's say a top athlete is trying to do with their game, or even not, not only to play the game well, but it, to a certain degree, elevate the whole game, is that this is a frustrating time for that because the democratization of art and what's going on with NFTs, as beautiful as it is, it's a, like I say, it's a liberation of a whole creative class of people and the ramifications of it are like, I, I can't see anything in history that would match it even by a close anything uh, as to how, how much uh, human creativity it will unleash on the planet. But we're sort of suffering a little bit of a hangover of the last 50 years. And uh, that's a little bit to do with the fiat um, currency era. Um, and like, it sounds a little deep, but I, like, I, I got to go there uh, in order for this to make sense. Uh, because the, when Richard Nixon took out the gold standard from underneath the dollar, that's also when Andy Warhol started printing his uh, literal factory line silk screens and things, multiplying and making these culture references and MTV came along eventually and and this sort of a lifestyle and rebellion and all the sort of traditional values were thrown in the garbage and what this meant in the art world uh, was that there were sort of two segments and one of them was these uh, shiny uh, cool things for the rich uh, which is then sort of maybe personified by Art Basel and and, and things like that. And you have uh, Jeff Koons with his sexy death and you have Damien Hirst with his sexy death and they made gazillions of dollars with, with these whole enterprises. And, um, but if you wanted to make political statements, then that meant that you, were, uh, you had to embrace postmodernism. That is, that's um, quite a, even though it pretends to be like super inclusive, it's actually a very narrow bandwidth that you can express through it. And I would call that the flip side of the coin of, of the fiat art era. And what that means is that um, cave paintings and body paintings are arguably the oldest forms of art. Uh, they're not non-existent. Uh, you don't have ancient Egypt. You don't have all the magnificent temples from around the world and the, the structures and what they, what they do. You don't have the enlightenment period. You don't have um, so many indigenous uh, expressions. You don't have, have the shamanic healers from uh, Peru. You don't have their art. You don't. You basically have this such a uh, compressed and lame thing that the art is doing. And I'm, I'm afraid, in in a sense, NFTs are kind of becoming MTV two in that sense. But they they're almost like. Uh, on steroids, emphasizing all the problems that the fiat era um, sort of has produced and made it 10 times worse. I mean, just a, a couple of years ago, I saw the, one of the worst examples that I saw was a strapped banana on a, on a Miami um, sort of basil wall that sold for that $150,000 that I call insult art. Uh, but it, to a certain degree, watching what's going on with NFTs really made it like 10 times worse. So my humble uh, sort of wish for it was that Bitcoin art and crypto art to begin with came to um, reflect and sort of put hard cap on money uh, and to so that would, it would reflect the hard cap on art of their becoming a new top end because now what is perceived to be the top end of art is, is quite often mediocre if not just copycat bullshit really and uh, this, this is a little bit the, the navigational 
difficulty when it comes to art. Um, but but even if you don't have the top end, and even if for my personal self it's a little bit of of a frustrating uh, frustrating situation sometimes, uh, you still have such an amount of creativity and possibility and generational hope that is unleashed via the NFTs that this first sort of bull run of NFTs, once it corrects, uh, what people now, when they talk about NFTs uh, being a bubble and crashing, uh, it, it's no more than a, a, of a bubble than the first bull run of Bitcoin. Uh, it will do some hype and then it'll crash and correct and then there'll be another bull run and another one and another one because the, if you look at the technology itself, uh, that's not going anywhere. And that technology is very, very needed. And uh, I, I myself as a digital artist, pro level for 20 years I've been waiting for it for my whole life I mean I started making my first sort of digital collages of mixed media together in 1999 with Photoshop uh, so I can only imagine what it would have been like and how different my life would have been uh, I suppose altogether if uh, if I would have been able to get 50 bucks or 100 bucks or 100 bucks of the first things that I put together how much that would have incentivized me to go into a different kind of direction uh, so um, I'm trying to do something very, very uh, unpopular here, uh, which is to present the balanced point of view of things. And in our state of polarization altogether, uh, that's pissing off just about everyone. Uh, but truth, I think, is a, is a powerful thing and will win in the end. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think that the more balanced we can be when when looking at it, because as you say, there, there's a bull run that it will correct. There will be that time when uh, it kind of goes down in value, but then it'll go back up again, similar to what happened with uh, with Bitcoin, the previous bull run. Uh, really, really interesting. And and as you say, the for, for younger or newer designers and artists out there that are making digital art, uh, it is, yeah, this, this kind of generational um, kind of ray of sort of, I don't know, this sense of, oh, that there's value in what I'm doing, that there's art is important, people place value in it. And as much as there may be hype going on, if it instills that belief in a younger artist's mind and that results in some incredible work, then um, all the more for it. So, um, I mean, perhaps you could tell us a bit about, so for those newer designers and artists that could be listening in, um, what would your sort of advice be when it comes to, um, the work itself. So if you've got a digital artist that has a real passion for a specific type of work, um, how does that person sort of be inspired by all that's going on, but sort of maintain their focus on the work that, that they want to do? Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I wrote about this on the MAG NFT, uh, not the previous, but the one before that, in, in an article actually, and it was about uh, sort of fl flipping the script of something uh, important, uh, which is the John F. Kennedy, Kennedy thing, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Uh, and I twisted it to uh, ask not what uh, legacy art can do for you, uh, or it's what... No, no, ask not what you can do for legacy art, ask what legacy art can do for you, sorry. Uh, so essentially, <laughs> uh, because right now, I mean, many people aren't uh, utilizing any time at all. I mean, like just, just, just it, it's just this thing, it's like Mark Cuban, uh, he talks about NFTs and he started talking about art 
and uh, he he says, uh, you know, high art this and that, and what the value of of art is, and then he brings into conversation the um, Bitcoin um, origins collectibles card in the same thing as he's leveling them up as you have high-end Picassos and the Bitcoin collectibles uh, in the same part. And there's just on the daily basis, there are people making such asses of themselves, speaking about things that they don't know anything about. Uh, but because also the audience that they're talking to doesn't know much about it due to the kind of academic breakdown uh, of what happened with art uh, in the, since the fiat era, really. Uh, it, it's um, a lot of the art that I see that is being put online, it really looks the same. There, there's not many authentic voices who have studied what's, first of all, out there, what has been done before, uh, even to a very modest degree. And what that results into is that some people who also don't know what has been done before in collectors, they will praise as genius something that has been done even in the legacy art world uh, like 50 million times already. Uh, so it, it's it's such a headache of stupid some, sometimes that it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I laugh at it more now, but to begin with, it was it was annoying because you could see that if this isn't fixed at all, if the foundation goes a little bent, then the direction what it's going to grow into is going to be hard to correct later on. And I think that's exactly to a certain degree of what happened. Um, but um, Maybe I'm losing my thread, thread a little bit here. What, what was the question again? <laughs> oh, no, no. It's a really interesting thread. Um, uh, if you were to have a, uh, a younger designer or perhaps someone who's new in the field and they have, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're seeing yeah, all this is going on. Mm, yeah, yeah I, would, I would say that, that that would be the thing is just go, even in the fiat era, uh, just, you know, those paintings that were um, like pack maybe red square and sold it to a sort of, of how that was done to white canvas and every color canvas. It was done a million times in the art world before, but then it was meant to be super exciting that someone just tokenized it using a Photoshop pixel. And uh, like the, these kinds of things being praised as genius is, is what was everything that was wrong about the past 50 years of art uh, to begin with. So if you want to really get to the core of why we make art to begin with, what, what, what was the point? What was the real value of it uh, outside of these insults to bananas was that uh, like uh, me and myself now kind of incapacitated uh, with, with this sore back of mine. Uh, the, the body is such a merciless biological machine. And if something goes away, you can try and argue yourself out of pain, but it's, it's not... It's not the easiest thing in the world. And uh, life has never been uh, a very easy journey to any generation ever, because even if you get physically very comfortable, that might mean that you have a sort of crisis of meaning of what we seem to be uh, experiencing now. But back in the day, um, I, when we were more <laughs> crawling out of primordial sludge and trying to uh, sort of figure out what it is that we're doing in these bodies and trying to find a transcendent space beyond the material existence, uh, a great art could help. It could soothe you. It could give you meaning. It could show you beauty. It could uh, help you discover your way about in the face of the universe or, or this kind of mechanistic uh, sort of way of being of where we are. And uh, when you experience something like that through art, that you truly have a profound experience, which is not common, of course, because it demands so much from the maker itself. 
studying some of the things of what the founding principles were and who those people were who sort of achieved those things and why would be a great benefit to everyone uh, for people to study more because that would mean that they would make better art. They would have much more of a profound foundation. They would have things on how to, um, how to proceed to make people have those authentic experiences that their art, when someone says that your art is valuable or someone throws a million dollars at it, you wouldn't feel too bad about it because you know that you did the work and you actually offered something as a compensation to your community. And that's, uh, that's what I would hope I would see more. Amazing. And yes, you're right. There's this history of art that, and as you say, the, the kind of masters of old where they were able to give, give themselves to the art and create something that results in this transcendental experience that, it is um, in the mind of the audience and, and the viewer. And that's really interesting. Uh, how do you, so let, let's say somebody hears this and they're like, I resonate with that, but that's the kind of art that I want to do. How does that person start that process? I, I suppose you can start to study, you can learn about uh, these old masters and you can look at art that has had that, has, has had that effect on people in the past and, and learn from that, which like, you absolutely right. Like we should, go back and, and look at those estates so that we're aware of um, what that is. Um, but then how do you, so maybe, maybe like, what is the sort of process? Do you have a sort of intent in mind or a sort of a, an idea of what you want the, um, the viewer to experience and yet at the same time, because it's always going to be a subjective experience, how do you kind of gauge the, um, uh, the first kind of part of that process in making art that has that, has that effect? Well, I suppose it's never been to to all those people who have access to YouTube. It's never been easier to find um, fantastic quality documentaries or inspirational people from all over the world. And and because it's, I think one of the one of the sort of mistakes of the the art world uh, for a long time has been that it's become a footnote on a footnote. Uh, and trying to find legitimacy in the previous interpretation of the white canvas that turned into red canvas that is now a red pixel that got uh, tokenized is that it's so incredibly lame and boring uh, <laughs> that it's not difficult to find, uh, maybe find an inspirational speaker and turn their uh, concept that is in audio into a visual representation of that go outside the realm itself to try and find inspiration or things to draw uh, draw things from and the beautiful thing about that is that when you're authentically inspired by something and maybe even excited the fact that you haven't seen that kind of thing expressed before that means that when you get to talk about it you're not I mean we all know the cliche of a you know sideways hat and a pinky finger red wine glass type of pretentious artist talking about his or her process or or, or, or whatever, where everyone is just rolling their eyes doing the cringe thing as they have to listen to it. And those people, if they know that if they haven't done the work, they know it themselves, they feel it in themselves that they're not being authentic and in line with things. So uh, you're not only self-preserving uh, and, and sparing yourself of very <laughs> shitty feelings, but everyone else in, in the whole uh, sort of operation. If you do try and find something that you're authentically inspired by and then also uh, draw inspiration from your real life experiences things that 
have happened to you that you can stand behind and uh, perhaps even those re-examine whether, but because like I said, uh, I mean the sort of great average thinking or um, or um, um, balanced thinking, you could say it like that as well, or the um, sort of um, equality thing that I, I mentioned before. I, I I know how good that is for so many people, and I can take my own experience out of that equation and see what's really going on. And that helps to reflect also in my own thing and not become tone deaf to a certain amount of things that are going on. Like let's say uh, in the NFT world, there's now a lot of people who are sort of market driven who are doing flipping of NFTs and they don't, they don't even claim to have any knowledge of NFTs. They're just here that they know that we're in a pandemic and they can now flip NFTs and make some profit and feed their families. So for me to be too high horse about, you know, hype and art or something like that, and miss the mark so completely to realize that because these traders are here and they're doing what they're doing, it's empowering uh, a generation or a couple of generations of artists. I would be among those pretentious idiots not understanding what the big picture is. Uh, but with that awareness and having respect for even trash art, uh, even though um, yeah, <laughs> to a degree I don't think it's necessary, but it is the punk rock of crypto art. So I do think that it has value and it has that whole thing. What I'm trying to say is that we just don't have a top end. And I think that's dangerous to society. We don't have a serious conversation beyond art, beyond the fiat era of it. Uh, and it's still stigma and taboo to go and draw your inspiration from those great temples or great ideas or uh, religions or, or scientific discoveries or things like that to kind of generate what the best is that we can now generate. And that's what I would like to see, just that it has the lane, not that it needs to dominate or you know, oppress any other, every, uh, let every sort of flower bloom uh, but the weird thing about this whole thing is that we don't we don't have the top end. Mm. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah interesting. Uh, absolutely. I, I think that that point about using your own life experiences as, as, as well and and things that you uh, that you have legitimately gone through and using that as a basis for okay, what do I want to produce and express in this piece uh, is is really really interesting. It made me think, however, there's that, um, that quote by Osho, um, and it's, the more of you there is in your art, the less perfect it is. I thought that was really interesting, yeah. and I think it's talking about when you're engaged in doing a piece that is coming to life, it's almost as if you're not doing it, something's coming through you that is, um, I don't know, it's, it's something else. And it's, uh, I, I think also when I, when I think about art that I've been proud of, that, that I've put together, um, it's always felt a bit like that, like a bit like it wasn't um, just me doing it, but it was almost coming, something else was coming through in, in that process. Um, but what would you say if you look back over your, your career, you've done all these amazing pieces of work, um, is there an experience that, that stands out where you felt as if um, you were connecting with something outside of yourself and then the results of that was was an, an immersive piece oh absolutely 100 percent. i mean what 
um, I, I think, uh, and I even addressed this in the in the previous um, drop that we did with uh, with the Bad Crypto Podcast guys, and I made this NFT called the Foundation. And essentially, how I kind of gave the the thesis of it was that uh, every single religion in the world has a beginning story for everything of creation itself, and we. Uh, in reality, everything is in constant process of renewal of birth and, and death around us. And on a molecular level, everything is in vibration frequency and, and what was the third one, Nikola Tesla said and whatever. Uh, and basically, uh, human beings are a weird creature in that, that we've decided that we're separate from this creation. We are uh, sort of this ego ent entity that just sort of popped out of nowhere on earth and we're not in some sense part of the process and, and a, a lot of the fiat era art actually reflects that kind of thing is that you live so deep inside of your head that you don't remember that you have a body and mm -hmm. that kind of justifies these things that you strap a banana on a wall and it's it's worth something other than the insult <laughs> that it is and uh, me personally what i did is that i i educated myself on neurolinguistic programming i went to see all sorts of very unconventional people that might help me um, break out from the ego state where I, I, I thought I was the, the origin of something or the dangerous idea that we've had, especially in the West for a long time, that the artist is a genius as opposed to the artist has a genie, uh, which is the the origin of the world, word. And I, I'm in no illusion whatsoever that I'd be capable of producing some of the things that I've, I've made if it was only up to me. And whatever that means, I'll leave everyone else to interpret. But I've taken it to great lengths to remove myself from the process when I'm making the art itself, uh, even though the intellectual multi-level process is always with it, because it is a balancing act. Uh, in order to uh, kind of get to deserve that quote that Michael said about uh, at the beginning about integral art. And uh, it can sometimes, when I'm doing like this discussion with you now, it can sound a little spiky or even egotistic to a degree to give criticism to what's, what's going on and, and, and try to kind of open up new thought avenues. Uh, but it's a very different state of mind to analyze what is going on with art or culture or politics or all these things at, uh, on some level to, to give a contribution to the conversation um, because it's very different than being in a state of creating an art piece. Um, so in, in some sense, the, the picture that I give of myself during um, these podcast conversations can be very difficult to kind of balance with the reality of what's going on in my life. Mm, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that point you make about removing yourself from the process, but also as a balancing out as the intellectual capacity to actually have that practical ability to do the work, but at the same time, um, allowing yourself to be free of that ego state so that something else can come through really, really interesting stuff. Uh, Hey, Vesa, I'm really, really grateful for, for this. Um, sorry, were you about to say something? Yeah, just, just the, is that 
let's say that would be a foundational difference in between some Eastern traditions and let's say the Western tradition, but I think it's good to balance out uh, that if you kind of go into the new age movements and you look at Taoism and many different things and people say that your charisma or your presence come, comes from being in the present moment and not thinking about the future or the past too much. Uh, but as, as young starting artists, uh, what's so beautiful about crypto and NFTs and things like that, that it kind of leads you to have maybe also a, a little bit of an education about finances and investments and things like that. And most of the things that people invest into Let's say if they have a time scale of 10 years of putting $1,000 into Bitcoin now, and it might be something that you can retire on in 15 years or something like that, relies upon your ability to see far into the future and do things now that are not instant pleasure um, in order to reap the rewards. And that's actually a profoundly Christian tradition. That's, that's something that comes from uh, the, the sort of sowing of the seed in that kind of a way. But both can go to their extremes and, and people aren't taking good care of themselves just because they, they think that they can't take anything out of Bitcoin right now because it will go to the moon. But that means that they're sleeping in an uncomfortable bed or something. Uh, so integral thinking or balanced thinking in that kind of a way, I, I think this goes so beyond art. It just goes to the core of what it means to be a human being to try and um, try and live a, as beautiful of a life as it is possible on this planet. And I, I think that's, that's truly beautiful. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that, the idea of the mention there of being in the presence and not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past, but at the same time, there's that, uh, as you say, the um, uh, becoming aware of the financial um, side of things, where if you were to invest now later on down the line, um, though there would not be an instant gratification, you, you would experience a positive result potentially later on. And then being able to kind of stay in that place whilst um, engaged in the process of producing art, if, you, if you're in that moment where, where you're making it. Um, really, really interesting. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, Vesa, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to speak to you. I feel like this has been a, a great um, piece of content that we were able to share with people. Uh, so finally... UX Consulting Academy is an online resource for UX consultants. And often, um, not always, but quite often, we come from a creative background that we've had um, some work prior that we've done that has been more creatively inclined. So um, my last question for people out there that may already be in this career or yeah, they're, they're consultants themselves, but they would like to um, almost flex that creative muscle that perhaps they've not been doing for a while. Um, what can we do? Like, what would what would a practical step be for somebody out there listening? Gosh, that's a that's a great opportunity to me for me to make a great idiot out of myself to try and <laughs> such a variety of of what are likely to be very very intelligent people um, because it, it, the foundation uh, I suppose and the, the idea of how how different people contribute to the doing the consulting job uh, is supposed seeing a vision into let's say a company that they can't at the moment see of themselves and then um, be able to persuade to even a small degree that that company or that organization or whatever would change their course to integrate the part of the thinking or uh, process that you're bringing to the table so i would say 
um, the least controversial way, um, probably of an authentic uh, contribution would be uh, NLP, neurolinguistic programming. To if if you are un, unfamiliar with it, to go on a good source um, course for seven days, because let's say what it really is is, is your um, sort of operating system as a human being. Um, it, it's how your neurology, how your language, uh, uh, and uh, how you work as a sort of software program. Uh, there, there was a couple of very, very brilliant people who obsessively figured that out in the early 70s and have been developing it ever since. And if you know sort of how at least part of the source code works of how people uh, either hear and absorb that way or listen or what, what might be the value structure that they can hear the message through better um, on an NLP course if it's held by someone who really knows what they're doing you can have two life-size tectonic shifts of your perception and of your life to be able to connect to others a day and let's say if you go on an eight-day course, you have two of those, those a day, you will be wiped out like for a few days. You're going to have to need some, some rest uh, after that. But it will equip you with tools in order to communicate with others so much more efficiently um, that uh, you won't hardly recognize yourself or the results that you might be getting. Absolutely. I love it. That's it. This has been great. Thank you so much.